the promise that I issue to you is that by one o'clock today, you will know more than you do now. LBC 97.3 Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Three minutes after 12, you're listening to LBC 97.3. And Mystery Hour is underway. The weekly opportunity to get an answer to the question that has you puzzled in the darkest, longest way. 0845 6060 is the number to call. I've got, do you know, if I sound a little bit distracted, I actually need to wash my hands. I've got biro ink all over my hands. So I, I don't know how we're going to get to the quarter past travel without me putting dirty blue fingerprints all over my face. There could be a mystery to start us off with. How, how do you get biro off your face if you find yourself unexpectedly covered in it? But that is not what we will confine ourselves to. The way this works is the radio equivalent of one of those um newspaper columns where readers write in with a question and hope that another reader weeks days months later will provide an answer we got some some weeks we go about a hundred percent on this one thing we do guarantee is that you will learn something you didn't previously know what we can't do sadly is guarantee um that you'll be pleased with the knowledge that you'll be glad of the knowledge that the thing you know by one o'clock that you do not know now will be knowledge that you're actually grateful for or indeed able to put to use in any way shape or form in the future so you've got the number you know the uh you know the mo you know how it works and it's up to you now, really. Uh, you just, just give us a call. Get your question on the board. 0845 is the number to call. If you want to get involved, if you don't get through immediately, don't worry. Judicious use of redial is always the answer. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, let me remind you that this is no longer live for you. The number of tweets to at Mr. James OB I've received in the last couple of weeks saying, oh, since I started downloading the podcast to catch up with Mystery Hour, the number of times I found myself going, oh, I'll ring in, and then suddenly realising I was listening to a recording. has <laughs> been about two or three dozen of them. So just a special warning for people listening to this on the podcast is, remember, it's no longer live. If, however, you are currently existing on Thursday, October the 3rd, at five minutes after 12, then you are about to hear a succession of questions questions to which to which you probably or hopefully know the answer it can be as silly or as serious as you like and the only um criteria we have for exclusion the only circumstances in which you will be told that you can't join in is if we think your question is boring and that i'm afraid is very much the decision of the management is final or We've dealt with it relatively recently. So repetition and dullness are the only criteria for exclusion. That's more than enough from me. Let's crack on. Steve's in Peckham. Steve, what's your question? Hi, James. Um, at the weekend, I saw two different spiders on a web. Yeah. And one was an indoor spider on an outdoor spider's web. How, how do you and tell the difference between an indoor spider and an outdoor spider? Well, the indoor spider looked like the ones I see indoors. Oh, yeah. And the outdoor ones, the one I see outdoors. I don't know. It was on its web. Okay. But the indoor spider couldn't move around on the outdoor spider's web. And it being a spider, I couldn't understand why. Was it stuck? It was stuck, yeah. So the, the outdoor, so the outdoor spider, spider had caught it. the indoor spider? Yes. How long did you now, watch it for? He might have just been having a rest. Uh, um, until my video ran out on my phone. <laughs> Living the dream. quite a bit. Living yeah, the dream, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an exciting weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I, I would assume the indoor spider, being a spider, could walk around on a web. could have died of natural causes and just got just happened to have been on the web at the time. Oh, no, they were having a good old battle. And that, so, so, the, so the outdoor spider was, was taking down the indoor spider, 
who had been immobilised by the outdoor spider's web. Yes. So, so different yeah. types of spider can get caught in different types of, of spider webs. Yes. I yeah, like this. Qu- I like this question. How are we going to yeah. phrase it? Well, why? What, what's the? How are we going to distill the question? I was struggling with that myself. Yeah. I don't know. Why? Um, can a can a spider catch a spider? Can a spider catch yes. a spider in its web? Yes. There you go. Given that it can't Thank catch you. itself, can a spider catch another spider in its web? I like that. You're on. Well played, Steve. Let's hope this weekend's a little bit more exciting. Hey, eh? <laughs> Carolyn's in Eastbourne. Carolyn, question or answer? Is the question? Yes. How long is a woman's umbilical cord? Um, uh, three feet. <laughs> You're guessing. I am. Why, 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 why do you want to know this? Um, I'm having a baby two th- weeks on uh, Wednesday. So you think. It might arrive any minute now. No, 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 no. Well, hopefully not. I'm okay. booked in anyway two weeks right. on Wednesday. Um, and um, I've been doing loads of reading. I've asked people at antenatal classes. It's about a foot and, and a half. My nurse. Nobody knows the answer. It's about that long. Can you see me? <laughs> yeah, that long. Yeah, that'll do. Well, it's, the umbilical cord is attached to the baby and to the placenta. Yeah. So are you including the placenta in this or, 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 well, the, or just navel, umbi- navel to edge of placenta or navel? Yeah, the actual, if you were to say this is the umbilical cord, so from where it's attached to the baby to where it's attached to the placenta. And who, who, from whom would you like to receive an answer? Because, from, from, I mean, everyone's listening to this program. <laughs> so, do you want a midwife? We've got plenty of them. Or do you just want someone who's given birth? Or, or in fact, probably a husband or a partner, because they're more likely to have been paying attention to such trivialities while... while... Yeah, but well, they've had a tape measure on them. Well, how accurate do you want us to be? Well, approximately. Well, exactly. Um, I can't imagine I there's a fixed in... length. It's not, it's not <laughs> like the EU are in charge of umbilical cords, is it? And they all have to be exactly 27 centimetres long on pain yeah, of Yeah, they'd exclusion. get UKIP onto it. They would, <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, um, I, I reckon we can do this, but I don't want you to feel let down by a lack of uh, accuracy. So, what, within, within a few inches, give or take. Yeah, hey, something roughly fine. You know, they can put the baby up on your chest whilst it's still attached to um, <clears throat> the umbilical cord and the placenta's working. So it's got to be, you know, a couple of metres at least. But I was just wondering it's not a couple how of long meters. it is. I'm, I'm 1 metre 85. It's, no long, it's not longer than me, yeah. is it? Well, I'm 5 foot 10. Yeah. And if they're to put my baby on my chest as soon as he's born and they yeah. haven't cut his cord yet, then it's got to go the length of my torso and think? sort of back inside to wherever it's attached inside. It's, it's got to be at least a metre and a half, surely. Yeah, you, I see a reasoning here. And remind me again, I know you're giving birth imminently, but, but I, I know a lot of women who've had babies, none of them have been particularly curious about the length of their umbilical cord. <laughs> what, what explains your... Uh... I'm just, I don't know. I'm just interested in anything medical, really, and yeah, um, this right? is my pet topic at you're, the moment. I mean, you're not trying to sell it by the yard or anything like that, no. are you? <laughs> no, definitely not. Because the eBay conversation in the last hour has probably given some people listening strange ideas. Yeah, and you can, can get, get medicine. By the slice, by the slice. There's a you can terrible... get medicines made out of powdered, um, don't, don't sort of dried placentas and umbilical cords. You can and buy stuff, stuff so. on the internet to keep the placenta in and carry it around with you for a yeah. few weeks afterwards. Yeah, it's a big craze in America at the minute. It so. is. It's got a special name. I can't remember what it is. Ooh, yeah. It's got Polly in it somewhere or another. But. Yeah, you're right, actually. Anyway, I've got half a million people listening, so I better crack on. <laughs> okay. Mind Bye. You go. Hey, 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 good luck what? in a fortnight. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> 10 minutes Bye. after 12. How long is an umbilical cord? How long is a piece of string? Uh, spiders. Can a spider catch a spider in its web? Gary's in Victoria Park. Gary, question or answer? Uh, it's a question. Yes. 
Uh, it's inspired by your conversation earlier this week about the homeopathic magazine, and you were talking about the placebo effect. Is, is, the, is your question going to be, is that the only time you have called a listener back to apologise for your rudeness in all your years of broadcasting? Is that the question? No, no, that can be a supplementary oh, one, okay. though, if you wish. Okay, go on. <laughs> no, I was starting to think about the placebo effect, and I was wondering if... Uh, the reverse could also happen if you could give if there was such a thing as homeopathic poison. If you gave somebody something in there and they believed it would harm them, oh, would that's it hurt clever. Them? So, so it must it you must have a psychosomatic. I mean, you yeah. say to someone that, that I don't know how it would be proved. Though. Well, well, for for instance, maybe if somebody had a a peanut allergy and you gave them something and then told them there was peanuts in it afterwards, would they have the same allergic reaction? They certainly wouldn't. They wouldn't be very pleased about it, would they? No, no. I, that's a nice question. I'm just... I, and, and I bet someone has done some research into this. So they give they give 100 people a tablet, 50 of those tablets would cause nausea, and 50 of them would be completely... Um, independent. What's the word? Neutral. They wouldn't cause anything, yeah? Yeah. yeah. They'd just be made of yeah. clay. And yeah, no. th- then you'd ask who reports... For, and you'd tell them... You'd tell all 100 of them that they should be feeling nauseous, and then they'd keep a track of... So you get 50 probably straight up with the nausea pill, and then how many of the 50 with the plain pill also report symptoms of nausea after you've told them that the pill will cause nausea? Yeah. I like that. That would be it. Why do you want to know? What are you planning? Um, not planning anything. Not planning that. anything. I just had an well, image of a friend with a peanut allergy getting the mother yeah. of all April Fool's jokes. Yeah. Although then again, if there are any criminal uh, authors, uh, use it as a plot point. I would like a credit. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're on. <laughs> I will. I'll ensure that you get one. It's twelve thirteen. This is LBC ninety seven point three. Spiders, umbilical cords, and reverse placebo effects. Something for everyone there, surely. Craig is in Harrow. Craig, question or answer? Question, mate. Come on then. Okay, basically, I want to know when we have a half moon, how the moon gets that dead straight line down the centre of it. Because you know, when we have a crescent moon you have the, the shadow of the Earth. Yeah. But where does that dead straight line ah, come from? Ah, you mean, you, you mean, it's not, yeah, so a half moon is, it, it's... Yeah, when you have a half moon, there's a dead no, straight I understand. line. Yeah, no, I get it now, I was getting confused. So, so it's, it's how come it's not a sort of curvy line? Yeah, that's right, yeah, because uh, obviously when there's a crescent moon, we have the, well, you look, have the, the shadow. The way it works is the sun is behind the Earth, and the Earth... Okay casts a shadow on the moon and the sun the bits of light that reach it so if it's bang in the middle i'm talking gibberish craig <laughs> aren't i <laughs> I'm about, i can't i don't even I, even i don't know what i was about to say after that little introduction no, I, well you lost me i mean Do you know what jones the engineer I'm... is doing <laughs> jones the engineer is drawing moons in the sky with his fingers Trying to work oh, it out from that, because that's not going to work on the radio, mate. Even I know that from my amateurish perspective. Okay, so, yeah, you're right. So you've got your crescent moon, all your other moons, they involve crescent shapes, curvy shapes. A half moon is as if someone has, has sort of drawn a Hidden. dead straight line down the plumb, down the middle of it. How come? Yeah, you're that's on. right. Where did that come from? I think that's a lovely question. Thank you very much. Uh, it's 14 minutes after 12. We have four questions on the board. We have plenty of room for more. But, of course, after this, we'll start with the answers as well. LBC. 19 minutes after 12. This is LBC 97.3. And Mystery Hour is underway. I just, just realised something. Someone sent a rude tweet from the back of a taxi saying, God, I can't believe how dull this radio station is. I just sort of realised if you've never heard Mystery Hour before, you... you, you 
completely miss the irony and the sort of fun involved in it. I tough, I guess, would be my answer. But if you want to avail yourself <clears throat> of previous editions, don't forget that it is now on uh, on iTunes and indeed has on occasion breached the top ten on the iTunes podcast. So what have we got? What are we dealing with? We're still looking for answers to the questions about spiders, umbilical cords, reverse placebo effects and straight lines on half moons. Melody is in Walthamstow. Melody, question or answer? Hello, question please, James. You'll carry on, Melody. Um, who is last in line to the throne? Or is it even a thing? Oh, well, so you, you can find someone who's 47th in line to the throne, but does it ever end? Yeah. That's a really good question. Thank you. Why, why do you want to know? Do you think you might be in with a shout? <laughs> no. Um, well, when um, Prince George was born, mm. they said that, um, um, of course, he bumped a few other people down. Well, he jumped ahead of... Yeah. Harry, actually, didn't he, as well as yeah. everybody else, who sort of... Yeah, so so how far, how far do yeah. they go? Second yeah. cousins, thrice removed. I think, isn't there some fellow working as a farmer in the outback of Australia who's about 180th in line to the throne? Why am I asking you? I used to be a gossip <laughs> columnist, and I wrote about him once, so it's highly unlikely you'd remember it better than I do. No, didn't know that. Uh, no. <laughs> so the, how long is the official list, in other words? Yeah. As opposed yeah. to the unofficial, because, of course, if, if it goes up to 200 and you're the cousin of the bloke at 200, you could claim that you should be 201. But we're talking about the official in line to the throne, the yeah. like ascendancy, do they call it? Something like that, I think? Yeah. You're on. I like that a lot. I hope we get an answer. In fact, we've got lots of questions in need of decent answers, uh, as is often the way on a Thursday afternoon. Something else that always happens on a Thursday afternoon is that Connor and Imogen Strevens, or Strevens, always listen to the podcast as soon as they get out of school. And their mum's been in touch to ask me to say hello to them. And seeing as it's Mystery Hour and it's educational, and you'll be on your way home from school, guys, listening to this podcast, Connor and Imogen, hello. And thank you for listening. Adam is in Kilburn. Adam, what would you like to say? Ah, oh, good afternoon. It's Hello. a question. Yes. About temperature. It's not boring. Well, you'll be the judge of that. Um, if it's, like, in your car, in the office, or, or, or at home, if you're lucky enough to have uh, uh, air cooling, say you uh, set the climate control at 19, yeah. that's quite cool. That's yeah. quite cold in the car. Yeah. And when, it's, and when you're outdoors, and they say it's 19 degrees outdoors, it's a completely different 19 degrees. Yeah. It's quite warm, isn't it? Why, why is that, then? Wind chill. Wind chill. Are you making it up? No. It's wind chill factor. Please explain. Well, if you've got your air conditioning on, it's blowing at you. Yeah. So... Yeah, but no, it's keeping the ambient temperature at 19 or 18 or whatever yeah, but you it's, 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 it's coming. it's coming out of somewhere. Yeah. It's struggling. Yeah. It's struggling a bit. I'm going to crack on. So what you've got is a sort of... Um, <laughs> lick, lick, lick your hand now. Just lick your hand. Yeah, okay. Now blow on it. See? Yeah. See? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so does that help at all? It helps, but I don't think it's the answer. No. I don't think you deserve a round of applause no, for it. No, you're damn right, actually. I think I might have got it the wrong way around as well. So, so yeah. you, put your, yeah. you set the temperature wherever you are to 19 degrees. Yeah. And it feels quite nice. But when you're told it's night, no, and it feels quite cool. But when you're told the weather yeah. today is 19 degrees, you think that's quite mild. Yeah, I think that's quite, like, bomb. Yeah, I think that's quite a nice day, isn't it? I, I, it's, it's quite a nice, pleasant, warm day. We're in the car. 19's quite cold, for example. I think I understand. <laughs> I will put it on the board. Yeah. Thank you. No, thank you. 0845 Ken's in Dagenham. Question or answer, Ken? Answer. Yes. 
Okay, spider's webs. Okay. Yeah, all, yeah. each spider's web is individual to the spider who constructed it. Yes. What they do is when they weave it, they leave a trail of sticky stuff on uh, it. When they finish, they flick it. Well played. Like you'd flick a yeah. guitar string, and yeah. it goes into little blobs. Yeah. And they get to know where the, where the very sticky bits is. Throw another spider on it, and it's lost. So... You could even get caught. Not only can a spider catch another spider on its spider's web, it could actually catch itself if it got a bit of amnesia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if it had too much nectar or something, yeah, it got drunk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Qualifications? Uh, Magnus Pike. Really? Going back a yeah. while, then? Yeah, yeah. He, he, did, he actually demonstrated it <laughs> on telly once, yeah. And the, what was yeah. it called? Not the, what, what was it called? That oh, program? I can't remember. I cannot remember the, the amazing, But there was that machine at the beginning, wasn't it? Like the mother of all mousetrap games. Do you remember? That's right, yeah. It was something, it, like, yeah. It was yeah. something like the old grey whistle test, but it wasn't the old grey whistle test. That was popular. Don't, was it, don't ask me something like that. I don't know. Anyway, it's earned you this. <laughs> Thank you. First of the week, Ken in Dagenham gets the mystery out. Round of applause. Uh, Professor Hal. Ah, Professor Hal, who has received more mystery out round of applause than any human being alive even Wayne in Basildon. Professor Howell, I presume you've got an answer for us. Um, I have, James. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, sir. Professor Howell is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton, for those of you not familiar with either him or, indeed, Mystery Hour. Which question are you going to answer this week? Um, I'd like to dip a, a cautious toe into a bit of astronomy with the moon and the straight line, if I may. Why does a half-moon display what appears from Earth to be a straight line down the middle of it when all other gradations of moon are crescent in some way, shape or form? Yes. It's all about right angles. Can I explain by way of analogy? Suppose for the sake of argument you hung a tennis ball from the ceiling and you put at the same height a torch so it's shining on one side. Hang on. Tennis ball, torch. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So the torch is shining on one side of the um, tennis ball and the other side it's, it's bathed in darkness. Now walk 90 degrees around and look at the tennis ball with a torch on the left and the no torch on the right. Yeah. The, left hand, the left hemisphere will be bathed in light, the right hemisphere will not, yes. and there'll be a straight line down the middle, ah! because light travels in straight lines. Yes. Do you need also now, well, you do, even though you don't, if you follow me, yeah. to explain how the crescent appears when it's not half and half? You only get to answer one question on Mystery Hour, James, and I wouldn't want to break your rules. But... Oh, you cheeky monkey. Go on, then. Give him a round of applause. So you're seeing it from the different... That's brilliant. Well played, Professor Hal. That's a, but I do want to know now what... Well, let's work it out. So here's your tennis ball. Here's your torch. Shining on your torch. Walk around 90 degrees onto the tennis ball and only exactly half of it is lit. Move the torch a bit. Wouldn't it move right round? No, it wouldn't because it's a circle. So unless it's exactly halfway dissected, you will have some sort of ellipse or curve, I think. Naz is in Watford. Naz, question or answer? Answer, James. Yes. It's to the opposite of a placebo. So when a placebo is, is given to people and they're told it will make them better and they sort of believe it and psychosomatically they do actually display an improvement, can you do the opposite? Can you give them something which is completely neutral, tell them it'll make them poorly and then record um, them claiming symptoms of some discomfort or pain? Yes, you can. And I'm surprised you didn't know this because you're much more well-versed in Latin and things than I am. How but... do you know I just wanted to get some other people involved? Oh, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, well, it's called a nocebo. Is it? Yeah, and it, the Latin translation, I, I 
like I have to take this on my research, yeah. but the Latin translation for placebo is supposedly I shall please. That's and true. the one for nocebo is I shall harm. Yeah. Ish. Maybe. I mean, my Latin's very old and rusty now. So what, what, what do you know about it? How do you... Well, I did a sports science degree, and when I was doing it, I, it was just something I was interested in. So I looked this up a few years ago now, yes. and I found that the opposite of a placebo is a nocebo, and it does yeah. exactly the same thing, but obviously with negative effect. Yeah, I, 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 I sort of a couple of quick texts in saying that your Latin's bang on the money, actually. Nocebo is I shall Yay. harm. A harmless substance that creates harmful effects in a patient that takes it because they believe it is harmful. Yeah. When would you ever use that, though? I don't know. I suppose for various clinical trials, maybe. I don't know. You've, you've got a mystery. What are your qualifications? Well, I do sports science, but I was just also very interested in this a few years ago, and I, it just stuck with me. I can see why. I think, now you come to mention it, I think it's in, in Ben Goldacre's book, Bad Science. I think he, he touches on the issue as well. So if anyone wants to find out more about it, that would be a good place to go. In the meantime, now it's under you this. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much. No SIBO. There you go. Yes, it does. A great question. Great answer. Richard's in Shepherd's Bush. Richard, what have you got? Hi, James. Um, I have got quite a simple question. It's probably a very simple answer. Um, in fact, I'm sure I was taught it at some point in school, but I can't remember. Go on. But I wanted to know why. Um, for example, I ate an avocado uh, yesterday. I ate half of it and I put half away. Or I think I left half of it out. Um, out of the fridge or something, just in the kitchen for a, literally for about five minutes. I came back and already the sort of the, the colour of it had begun to change to brown. It's almost like someone had pr- sprinkled paprika or something on top of it. <coughs> I, I, mean, what... I, I know I'm quite verbose and I tend to go on a bit, Richard. But what you've just told me in the space of seventy-eight seconds is that you had yeah. an avocado that went brown yesterday. Yeah. And but, now you want to know why? What I'm attempting to do is, is, is launch the question correctly. That, that's all. <laughs> why did my uh, avocado go brown? Seconds. <laughs> why, why, why did my avocado go brown? And but but also, what is it about fruits? But, but what is it? What's the chemical reaction? Yeah, okay. It's some form colour, of like oxidisation, isn't it? But I don't know what. And it's, it's a nice question, actually. You're right. We should but know you know that. What I mean? We're... Apples as well. Apples will turn. Yeah. If you bit into them, they'll turn brown within a matter of minutes. I'm just wondering yeah. what it is. Yeah, I like that. And uh, you're taking me right into the news. Text 84850, tweet at LBC973. This is London's biggest conversation with James O'Brien. 33 minutes after 12, this is LBC 97.3. How long is an umbilical cord? Um, And who's last in line to the throne? How long is that list? 0845 6060 973. Why does fruit go brown? And... Why does 19 degrees indoors feel quite cool, and yet when you go outdoors and the weather forecast says it's 19 degrees... I've got that the wrong way around. No, I haven't. 19 degrees indoor, if you set your thermostat, feels quite cool, and then you go outdoors and the weather forecast says it's 19 degrees and it actually feels quite mild. I'm I'm a little surprised that question got through, actually, the more I repeat it. (laughs) But if you think you can answer it, then feel free. Andy's in Mill Hill. Andy, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Good afternoon. Um, it's about that last question you were just talking about with the temperature, actually. If you, um, if you the build it, they will come. Yeah, it, it was saying more about in the, in the car with the air conditioning and so forth. You, you're kind of right. I mean, that's, that's one aspect to it with the wind chill factor. But it's more to do with relative humidity. Um, if the humidity is higher outside than internally, 
then you're going to feel the effects of the temperature a lot more. Um, if I'll give you a brief example, if you were to have a, a 30 degree centigrade temperature uh, in the UK, for example, with a 50% relative humidity, the evaporation of the skin would, would actually evaporate a lot easier, so you feel cooler. If you were to go to the Amazon uh, rainforest and have 30 degrees as well, but a relative humidity of 90%, the evaporation of the rest of the, the, the perspiration wouldn't be as quick, therefore you'd feel a lot more um, close and, and, and sweaty, if that makes sense. It makes perfect, yeah, it makes perfect sense. What are your qualifications? I'm, I'm a damp surveyor. You're a damp surveyor? Damp surveyor and condensation specialist, yeah. I suck. It's just a rubbish gag, wasn't it? I was, I was about to call myself a damp radio presenter if, if if I left my anorak at home and then walked home in the rain. But that would have been rubbish, wouldn't it? I've heard it all before. Maybe. I know you have. I realised that almost. I almost pulled. It. I almost. I mean, I've done the second worst thing, which is congratulating myself on not making the rubbish joke by telling you what the rubbish joke would have been. When I grow up, I won't even do that. I just. I'll just ignore the voice in my head going, "Tell a rubbish joke. Tell a rubbish joke." It's all a bit wet, all a bit wet, really, Andy. There you go, mate, anyway. Round of applause for Andy, quick. He's suffered enough. Well played. Tom's in Watford. Question or answer, Tom? I've got a question, James. Good man, come on. It's a a bit of a a out-there question. Okay. Um, It takes 24 hours, or there or thereabouts, for the air to uh, revolve, to turn around. Yeah. It takes us 365 days to go around the sun, to do one orbit of the sun. Yeah. It takes 100,000 light years for a beam of light to go from one end of the Milky Way galaxy to the other. Does it? How long does it take us to do one circle of the Milky Way? So, so that we're, we're, it's all one big spiral galaxy. What? Uh, uh, does that make any sense? Not to me, but I don't think that's necessarily a full answer to I've, your question. I've I've actually emailed at Mashio Kaku this question and I haven't got a response. So that's why I'm putting. You've emailed who? Mashio Kaku. He's um, one of the leading theoretical physicists. Oh, that sorry, that Mashio Kaku. Sorry, I thought you meant yeah. a different one. Okay. How long does it take our solar system to do one orbit of the Milky Way? Exactly. Yes. Okay. I thought that would be quite easy to find. Are you sure our solar system does an orbit of the Milky Way? It does, yes, yes. It, it's a spiral galaxy, so it is revolving. Um, how long does it take? Long... Yeah. That's what we need to find out. Okay. Why, why do you want to know? Are you planning a holiday? Um, no, no. I'm, yeah. um, no it's, just, it's one of these things that has bugged me for so long. I've watched all these programs, and no one's ever answered that question. You're on. Oh, no, no I, I mean, I, I'm just, I, I get a bit, I mean, space, it's like the final frontier, isn't it? I, I just get this real yeah. sort of sense of... Well, if, it takes, if it takes a beam of light, 100,000 light years to get across in a, in a straight line, it, 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 the, the answer would have to be mind-boggling, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, but hopefully still doable. I mean, you yeah, could just say yeah. it's 10 to the power of a million or something, couldn't you? You don't have to something, say yeah, 1,000, yeah, yeah, thousand like All right, Tom, I'll see what I can do, mate. But I, 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 you're not going to hold it against me if we fail. Seeing as old Massimo Kaku couldn't help you out, I don't know that you're going to blame us if we can't. No, no, I won't. I won't hold it against you. Thank you, Tom. I just want to clear that up. Alison's in West Molsey. Oh, phone line free alert. Oh, wait. Oh, it's gone. Alison's in West Molsey. Question or answer, Alison? Answer. Yes. Umbilical cords. Generally, they're long enough so that the baby can be delivered onto the, well, to the breast without snapping. So how long is it? Oh, I they vary. Yeah, but roughly. 
Well, how long is a woman's torso? Two I'd, feet. What? 18, 18, I'd say eight, between 18 inches and two feet. That's what I said. Is that what you said? Yeah. But, I mean, oh, I, well that doesn't count, because I was just talking off the top of my head as usual, but that just seemed to me from my memory to be feasible and plausible. Yeah. So the placenta is still inside the, the, the mum, is it? When yeah. the baby gets put on the breast. And so, yeah. about, so uh, hang on, what are your qualifications? I was a midwife. You're the third midwife to ring up this week. Did you know that? No. I'm, I'm being bombarded by midwives. I don't understand Wait, why. The poor thing. I know. Well, I'm not complaining. So the answer is long enough, really. How long is long number? enough? Long enough. It's, Occasionally you'll come across one that's very short. Will you? And it does, you have to kind of, it's pulling it a bit. And occasionally you get one that's really, really long, but generally I'd say that, yeah, you were right. We, 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 we are still talking about umbilical cords, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you a round of applause, Alison. Very well played. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. You're so clever, James. <laughs> I thought we got rid of you. <laughs> Arthur's in Heathrow. Arthur, question or answer? Hello, uh, yeah. Oh. I, I, it is uh, when you cut the fruit, enzymes are exposed to the oxygen in the atmosphere. Hang on, Arthur, let me just go. So this is, you're answering the yeah. question, why do fruits go brown? That's right, yes. yes. Sorry. Yes, carry on. Yeah. And uh, it will start to discolour almost immediately, especially with uh, apples, for example. Why? They will do the same thing. Why? Because the, the, the enzymes, that when they're exposed to the atmosphere they start to react with, with the oxygen. And then, if you put lemon juice, as you notice that chefs, when they're doing preparing fruit like that, yes. they will sprinkle lemon juice over it. How confident? What are, your qualifications? what are your qualifications? I, I read it somewhere. <laughs> are you sure? Because I have oh, a yes. habit of... I, I'm not sure enzy enzymes... Is that the right word? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, because really? The, the, the same enzymes would be in barley that converts starch to sugar. For beer making, for example. I, 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 okay. So, uh, so the, but I, it's all a bit vague, Arthur. It's like oh, half yeah. an answer. <laughs> well, half a round of applause, then. Well, no, you can't just say the enzymes get exposed to the oxygen. You need to tell me what the reaction is. Ah, well, that... I'm tr I'm struggling to remember to tell the truth. I thought you <laughs> might be. Yes. <laughs> I, is it, Arthur, is it fair to give half a round of applause to Arthur for half an answer? Go on then. Is that? Well, thank you. No, you're very welcome. Mind how you go. It's twelve forty-one. Fred's in the way. Oh, phone line alert. Oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three. What still needs answering? Uh, how? Yeah, who's last in line to the throne? And we need a little bit more on the. Uh, on the fruit turning brown. Arthur gave us half an answer. Well, it made me laugh. Oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three. It's only 20 to 1, so we've got time to... We've been cooking with gas today. We've got time to get more questions on the board, but also answers to the questions that you are um, uh, already pondering. Fred's in the West End. Fred, question or answer? Hallelujah. I can't believe I'm on. Right, um, question. <laughs> M MPs, meeting your MP, why is it called a surgery? Uh, that'll be something to do with the... Uh... The origin of the word, won't it? Like a consultation. I don't know, but it's a good question because it makes you think yeah. of the doctors. But you're going somewhere for advice, aren't you? So it's it's the same as a doctor's Is surgery. that what surgery means? It must do, mustn't it? But we need a classicist, don't we, Fred? I, I don't also, you know you're a professor, fella. Yeah. I know why he's a professor and I'm not. Why is that then? Well, when he explained to you with a better tennis ball, yeah. I still didn't get it. Really? <laughs> well, I'll try then. 
right? No, no, don't it'll just what? confuse me. No, it won't. It won't. It won't because I know what I know what he did wrong. And uh, what you remember what the question was, Fred? Yeah, about the moon. Yeah. yeah so yeah. imagine, uh, imagine an orange. Right. Yeah. Now, can we have an apple? Yeah, we can have an apple. Right. You go with an apple. There's, an, a, there's an apple. Out the top. Yeah, 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 you're on. There's an apple dangling from the ceiling. Is it an apple or an apple? It's 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 either. Okay, go on. There's an apple dangling I, from I the ceiling. I think I know why you're not a professor, Fred. <laughs> I think you've got. I, I think your ears don't work, mate. That will you're be. You've got to explain it to me now. Uh, well, I, I think you've, you've you've blown your chance, and that, that that you know that. Imagine where you could have been if you'd learned to listen back at school, Fred. Imagine where you would have been today. Miserable. <laughs> Matthew's in Watford. Matthew, question or answer? Answer. I want to collect the uh, second half of that round of applause for fruit brownies. <laughs> okay, go on. So it's there for, it's there for the taking, Matthew. <laughs> the enzyme is uh, polyphenol oxidase. Whoa. And it uh, catalyzes um, uh, a number of reactions that, that, that uh, uh, make, the, make the, the pigments. Polyphenol Polyphenol oxidase. Polyphenol oxidase. And it reacts with oxygen? It uses oxygen in the reaction to uh, hydrox- um, hydroxylate? I think it's hydroxylate. Hydroxylate? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, compounds that exist in the plant tissue. Cool. Any osmosis at all involved in this? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. but um, <laughs> What about, does it, does it involve a meniscus at any point? No, there's no menisci involved, <laughs> I'm sure. Is that the plural of meniscus? Yeah, I'm sure it yeah, probably is. You live and learn. Uh, qualifications, Matthew? I did this back in uh, chemistry at O-level. What? At school. Really? Yeah. We just made copper sulfate crystals. <laughs> Actually, it might be an A-level. To be I think it probably was, Matthew. <laughs> Polyphemal what's-its. Anyway, give it, I give you, do, do you really want just the half? Because you can have a whole one if you want. I would like the whole one, personally. Yeah, no, give him a whole one for that. Thank you. Which means we've got a half left over, which I'll take for getting the umbilical question right. Thank you. It's 12.45. Jay Louise Knight, we just gave you the clap then, Jay Louise. Um, that was amazing. LBC 97.3 Travel Centre. 12.48, this is LBC 97.3. And Mystery Hour is upon us. You see, if you listen for the first time today, you, you probably already have proved the point we make at 12 noon every Thursday that you'll know more by 1 o'clock than you do now. You may have learned about what a nocebo is. You may have learned that the length of an umbilical cord is pretty much related to the length of the woman giving birth. You'll know why spiders can indeed catch spiders in their webs, but you won't know yet who's last in line to the throne. That is the question that's got me most engrossed. Um, I think we've done everything else. Oh no, how long does it take? Are solar system to do one orbit of the milky way wow seiko's in fulham seiko question or answer uh question please james yes <clears throat> i've always been curious about uh, why the human anatomy has evolved mm. with uh met many of twos so two kidneys two lungs two ovaries virtually two of everything two arms two legs two eyes two ears and yet uh, probably argue the most important organs of the body Steady. The brain and the heart, a, oh, we only have goodness. one of. Yes. Why have we only got one brain and one heart? Yes, and virtually two of everything else. It's quite a big question, that, Seiko. Well, I mean, there are, I think there are animals and creatures out there that have got two hearts and two stomachs and, you know, well, two of their other in, sort of 
organs, but, but I, I mean, it I would make sense it. for us to have two hearts. Well, it really, wouldn't. wouldn't it? No, it clearly wouldn't. I, I mean, this is, in boldest evolutionary terms, the answer would be, because at no point in the development of the species was having two hearts proven to provide an advantage to a human being. That, well. that's the that, that's the bold even <laughs> the bold evolutionary answer it, it, why why haven't we developed this because either that mutation never appeared on the path of human evolution therefore it could never be replicated because it provided an advantage or that mutation did appear but provided no evolutionary advantage whatsoever and so disappeared in fact it must have provided an evolutionary disadvantage otherwise it would have been passed on genetically to future generations so the answer why haven't we got that is usually because we don't need it because it doesn't actually help us well surely you, you, you must i mean two brains would be <laughs> must have got to be an advantage over one hasn't why, it? why we don't use 75 percent of the brain we've already got and in jones the I engineer's case that figure is much much higher I still think that if we had two hearts, uh, uh, you know, the, in the event of one of them failing, the other one would take over. It's, it's like computers and failures. Well, no, I, it is, but clearly it hasn't... It, well, in that case, it would be that mutation has never happened. Yeah. I, I mean, this is... Yeah. This is I, I, it's a while since I did it at college, but that is, that is your sort of natural selection in a nutshell, really. If, if a mutation right. happens, if it gives you an advantage, however big <laughs> the advantage is determines how quickly it works its way through the species. So having two hearts has either never happened as a mutation or did not provide an advantage. Hmm. Okay. You know, you don't you sound convinced. To... You sound like you want someone with better qualifications than, than <laughs> I, st I, st <laughs> well, I studied this. I was with, going to with... say, you could afford yourself a feeble hand-slapping there for a moment. But, what? Uh, uh, what? But I, I... Do you think there's a better <laughs> answer out there than my thumbnail sketch of the theory of evolution? Well, I'd All like right, to hear no, that's someone with, a, with, a, with, a, with an anatomical background or a medical background might be, uh, might be a little bit more convincing. Well, it's a history of science question, this, actually, I think. But anyway, you are, but the customer is always right. Can we help Seiko? On 0845-6060-973 is the number to call. George is in Harrow. George, a question or answer? Answer. Marvellous. To the um, Milky Way. Now, I thought he was asking how long it takes to go around the whole universe. Was he just talking about how long it takes to go around the Milky Way? How long does it take our solar system to do one orbit of the Milky Way? It takes 200 million years. You just made that up. No. Totes. We're 30,000 light years from galactic central point. We go around every 200 million years. That's Monty Python. That's exactly right. The whole of the the whole of the exclamation to the to the answer to the question is in that song, the Galaxy song by Eric Idle. Eric Idle, with thirty thousand. Yeah, from Galactic our galaxy itself, it's all that uh, it contains a hundred billion stars. It's a hundred thousand light years. But is that the, is that is that what the answer is? One orbit of the Milky Way by yep. our solar system? No, not the no, not the Milky Way. The galaxy, galactic central point. The Milky Way is a small piece out on an outer spiral arm. Yeah. Um, which is it's funny because when he was asking the question, I thought he was actually quoting part of the song. That's why I thought of the song mm. and I listened to the song, and I know the song very well because I've got it. And um, it talks about how we are part of a universe, or we are on the outside of the universe, spinning round. But if you're talking about how long we go around the actual galaxy, the uh, Milky Way, then it's very difficult to ascertain that because. It bulges in the middle 16,000 light years thick, according to Eric Idle. But out by us, it's just 3,000 light years wide. And the fact that it's expanding 
never-endingly expanding would mean that in a several billion years it would be a different length of time anyway. So it's a, not a constant. Cool. That's all I've got. Well, that's pretty good. And I've got no authority apart from Eric Idle. No, song. you just proved that's not true. You just went all clever. <laughs> can I get a round of applause? Yeah, Is that, does that count? That did. Of course you can, yeah. I almost get you a, an accompanying band, actually. If you oh, thank you. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you sound like that meant a lot to you, that round of applause. It does. It does. Thanks. Not, well, thank you. I'm not surprised. It's a, it's a very, very lofty accolade, which very few Londoners have actually managed to secure. I did, wow. My head hurts, though, a bit. I, I sort of... It's just too epic to contemplate. I sound stoned now. Space, man. It's really huge. Elaine's in Forest Hill. Elaine, question or... Hello, Elaine. Hello, dear. How are well, you? Well, um, your head hurts. It's probably because you've been hit by a saucepan. I think you might uh, It's a question on saucepan. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, we have we have a chip pan for chips. We do. We have a frying pan to fry things we in. We do. Why then do we have umpteen saucepans for only sauce? It's not only in other, sauce. In other words, why we, we even the smallest saucepan we don't call a milk pan. We call it a milk saucepan, don't we? So why why do the? No, I call it a milk pan. Actually, I'm not, I'm not being obtuse. I do actually call it a milk pan. Do you? Yes. Not a milk saucepan? No, a milk pan. Okay. Yeah. Well, then why do you not have a vegetable pan or an, uh, a, uh, a soup pan? Because I, I've got a saucepan. Yes, but a saucepan's for sauces, surely. No. Saucepan's for vegetables and soup as well. Yes, but then why is it a saucepan? That's my question, is why is it a saucepan? Because you've got all these other things you wish to cook, as well as well, maybe I, not I, even sauce. You, can't, you may mean, not you, cook sauce at all. You've got to call it something, Elaine. And, uh, you, well, it's a pan, isn't I, it? Yes, it is, but then you can't distinguish it from the frying pan I mean, and the chip pan. A, you've answered you've got, your own no, question. Saying, you've got a frying pan, know, a chip yes, pan. Exactly. Um, hmm? Exactly. I sometimes use a saucepan as a chip pan. Yes, but the, my question still remains: Why has it got the word "sauce" in it? Because it always because it contains sauce liquid. Is something quite different. Well, sort of, but not necessarily. It always contains liquid. If they could have called it a liquid pan, would that have made you pan. happier? Yes, yep. well, that's a possibility. Yes, but, but I, it's just there's a constant repetition of the word "sauce." But think of it as a synonym for liquid. What you're cooking in. Well, it does in a way. You could argue that the vegetables are being cooked in a sauce, albeit a very weak sauce, a stock. Oh, because it's water? Yeah. Oh, no, no. You can't, you can't regard sauce and, you know, shall we, shall we, what, what's, what's the soup of the day? It's water. <laughs> <laughs> it was once, and it will be again. Well, I, 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 I no, I don't so, think well, it's very well, good. It's a, well, I mean, I, I'm what? still, I'm still mystified as to why we constantly refer to them all. I mean, we talk about a large no, saucepan, a small saucepan. There's spoon. no law. You can call it what you want. If you want to call it a vegetable pan, you can call it a vegetable pan. Hmm. Mm. But it, but but other people will keep referring it to a saucepan. But that's is, why you, you know, call it, it a saucepan, so that every I mean, most words. Yeah, well, no, know. it's not incorrect in the sense that most language has evolved so that we know what the other person is talking about. And the main reason we call it a saucepan is because when I call it a saucepan, you know what I'm talking about. In the same way that you do when I call it a fry pan. If I call yes, it a vegetable my, my pan... Mis the mystery to me is why we're calling it for something which you're not going to use it for. Because it's always got liquid in it. it. always got liquid in it. it pro it's probably something to do with Escoffier. Mm. 
Oh, well, looking, could you I'm sound looking, less? Could you? I'm not sa- cooking coffee in my saucepan. I'd, well, I'd, 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 no, not coffee. Escoffier, the French chef. I don't think we're going to get you an answer, Elaine, and that is partly because it's late, and partly because I'm not sure a l- an answer exists. Andy's in Croydon. Question or answer, Andy? It's an answer to the um, succession to the throne, James. Yeah, who's last in line to the throne in twenty seconds with Andy from Croydon? Right. The actual list itself, I don't know how long that is, but it's infinite because you would just keep going further and further back through history. Through I think that's what we thought, but they, but they might not, but they can't because they don't print it in a Daily Mail every time there's a new prince born and say it's infinite. They say, here's the list. Ja- yeah, I know, I did get, Jason's in Devon. Jason, five seconds. Okay, uh, you have two lobes. Hello, you there, James? Yeah, quick. You have two lobes in your brain. Two lobes in your brain. Two, two chambers in your heart. Well, He's right, you see, it is something. Yeah. What? Goodbye. Until tomorrow, here's Julia. (laughs) Thank you very much indeed, James. We're going to talk later in the show about payday loans and the National Lottery. Why do you play? And um, should we uh, be staying at home when we're ill? I'm including me in that. But first of all, I want to talk about something that's happening in nine years' time. The World Cup 2022, it's in Qatar. Yes, it seems like a long way away, but it's very much in the news today over plans to move the tournament to the winter months because it's going to be too hot.